The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What is happening, everyone? Welcome to episode 202 of your favorite podcast, The Gordai Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mahaley, and today I'm going to talk to you about why drugs are not a progressive overload system and how I kind of like titrating and tapering things here to keep our minimum stimulating threshold point intact. As always, Gordai Podcast brought to you by Revive So Much, brought to you by Raw So Much. Use code Mahaley at checkout to support your boy. Please leave us a five-star rating and review. I can't wait to chat with you. I'll see you inside. You guys, you guys, you guys, what's happening? I'm super excited to chat with you guys today. I have some um, exciting stuff happening. Um, I'm not sure if you guys saw it. I only shared it on my uh, Instagram story once. I haven't talked a ton about it. I will be speaking at the uh, Physique Education Collective, which is a pretty big deal. It's put on by uh, some people that I very highly respect and are very highly respected in the industry. Uh, they, for some reason... I invited my dumbass on uh, to come talk with them, and I'm really, really, really excited, you know, for that. Um, it's going to be in Nashville. Let's see. I believe it's, I believe it's June 3rd through the 4th. Yeah, June 3rd and the 4th. Um, so, um, yeah, like I said, it's going to be in Nashville, 3rd and the 4th. So, if you're in the area, um, try to come out. There's very limited tickets available. My understanding is they sell all of these events out pretty quickly. Um, I think there's quite a few people um, who I've chatted with about this who are going to you know, come out and be part of it. Um, but it's, it's, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. I know there's some really amazing speakers. There's seven of us um, going up. I'm definitely going to be the dumbest person in the room. Uh, but if you're not the, uh, if, if uh, you're the smartest in the room, you're probably not in the right room, right? Um, and I'm going to be presenting... Uh, um, alongside some people that, you know, I really highly respect. I'm very, very, very excited for this. I love public speaking in case you guys uh, couldn't tell. Well, I guess this isn't too public. I'm just like sitting in my podcast recording room um, talking to you guys. But um, I, I, I enjoy speaking on my passions, so I think it's going to be really good. Um, I submitted my topic today. It has not been uh, unanimously accepted yet, but Jason, uh, messaged me back and told me, Jason Theobald, uh, told me that he loved it. So I'm going to share with you guys, uh, the topic that I'm going to be presenting. Um, and if this sounds something that you're, uh, going to be interested in, uh, come on out. Um, a great excuse to go to a really cool city, Nashville. Um, most of you who listen to this run fitness oriented businesses. So this can be a nice little tax write off for you. You can come see us, learn, have, there's an open form Q and a, there's uh, two sessions separate times for all of us to hang out together, which I think is going to be really cool. Um, so I'm going to be presenting about physiological manipulation tools and tactics to crack the body's homeostatic environment. I said through this, I will accomplish a few things um, other than hopefully making some good jokes. One, number one, we all know what homeostasis is, but are we respecting the body's incessant need for this while venturing into our physique and performance ambitions? 
Number two, when we are venturing too far away in too short of a time period or for too long of an exposure time, there are feedback loops involved that correlate to internal health, mental health, or skeletal safety issues. And this is where the pendulum starts to swing out of control for many people. So I want to talk about the biofeedback I look after in my athletes and what we can do you know, be looking for to prevent things like irregularities in the endocrine system, irregular, um, irregularities within mental health, digestive capabilities, stress recovery, um, etc. cetera. Uh, number three, I want to talk about PEDs influence over the homeostatic environment. When we take ourselves into a super physiological range, male or female, what is really going on? We hear about androgen receptor shutdown and things of the like, but that's such a vague and broad belief system to apply troubleshooting issues to. So, I want to deep dive into this. Number four, finally, I will accomplish teaching about long-term exposure to the many components of the lifestyle. It's such common belief and practice that bodybuilding isn't a healthy long-term endeavor. And well, maybe I'm the idiot, but I believe that it can be. And I believe we have innumerable measures we can take to ensure the safety of such. So throughout these teaching points, I know I'm going to venture into case studies of my athletes from the regional level to the Olympia level. And I think these are going to help with the teachings. I know that there's going to be some really good, uh, fun stuff that day. So um, I hope to see you there. Uh, if you are going to be there, let me know. Um, you know, like I said, there's going to be uh, multiple small group activities and things of the like where all of the um, guests will get to hang out interact with, um, you know, whatever with, uh, the folks who, who are presenting. Um, I know myself, um, Chanel Collette, um, let's see, Dr. Scott Stevenson. Um, he is going to be there. Um, let's see who else we got. We got John Jewett. John Jewett is uh, going to be there. Jamie Pender is, uh, going to be there. Um, two others. There's two others. Uh, Aaron Crawford, uh, and Michael Clifford. Um, and I, th I think I'm still missing somebody. So we have some really, really awesome people. Um, I'm definitely excited, uh, for what's to, to come, but without further ado, uh, let's chat about, uh, progressive overloading within drugs. Okay. Um, drugs are not a progressive overloading. First, first and foremost, what prompted this was on my Q&A. Yesterday, I was asked, do androgen receptors lose sensitivity over time or do they just upregulate? Um, this question is a question that is very commonly asked from my athletes, from people in Q&As, very commonly talked about, something I see. But my answer to that was, you know, I do think we are missing um, the forest for the trees here a bit. Now, Drugs aren't a progressive overload system. It's not like a muscle that, you know, over time you progress, 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 and eventually, you know, you're um, squatting or deadlifting or, you know, whatever, seven or 800 pounds, right? Like we can train our body to do that. Um, but with, with drugs, it's much more so the mitigation of allowing your homeostasis to completely respond and settle uh, within a certain set point that is, you know, too high for you to you know, run for long exposure times, right? So if we just crank drugs year round and our year to date average dosage is, uh, it's, uh, let's say a thousand milligrams of, you know, androgens, okay? 
That means your body has become pretty susceptible and apt at handling a thousand milligrams of androgens, which means that there's a multitude of shutdowns that have happened. You know, obviously your HPTA excess is going to be completely shut down. Um, there's thyroid components to this. Um, your thyroid's likely going to have down regulation because we have such vast testosterone um, values that there's there's you know going to be some energy turnover that occurs just simply to keep up with that. There's going to be a very stressed endocrine system, which is going to uh, uh, bleed into a very stressed um, neural system, digestive system, things of the like. But you may be there, like, well, you know, like my digestion's fine, like uh, my neurology seems fine, and you know all this stuff. Okay, that's fair. Um, we can look into the prostate, we can look into the liver, we can look into the kidney, we can look into all these things. But the reality is if your body becomes apt to a thousand milligrams and that's your, a thousand milligrams a week, that is your thing. That is your dosage. That is where your body has decided its new homeostatic set point is because you forced it to whatever you force it to do, it will respond to. If you become a marathon runner that consistently undereats, your thyroid's probably going to have a very difficult time ever rebooting um, from that. You're going to lose a lot of muscle from that. You're probably going to have a very poor integrity of um, cartilage and joints and ligaments and things of the like. Um, you know, you're probably going to go through some uh, mental uh, health items that stem from this, right? Because you just forced your body to respond to training for a marathon, which is, you know, overexertion while underfeeding it. So it's, it's going to adapt to whatever it is that you want it to adapt to. So we adapted to a thousand milligram a week dosage, right? This means theoretically that at 750 milligrams a week, we're going to regress. You don't want to put yourself in that position to have regression at something that's still a rather, you know, a good dosage. 750 is not high. It's not low, it's a moderate dosage, right? We don't want to put ourselves in position to where this is a thing, right? And I think it's very commonplace to be ramping these things up like this and not understanding some biofeedback signs to look at, to you know see when do we pull this back because the reality is, man, I mean, you run 1,000 milligrams a year round, yeah, you're going to have results. You're going to have really good results too. Like, you're, you're going to grow a lot. So... It's just something that, that we don't want to push to that level because what's on the other side of these results, eventually when the homeostatic curve catches up, these results are going to slow. What we're seeing every single week, what's going on in our training sessions, our, our, like I said, the biofeedback, just how we feel when our feet hit the floor in the morning. Are we sweating? Are we holding pumps? Are we, you know, things like that's all going to start going down. So when it starts going down, what do we have to do? Well, we can bump the dosage, sure, but isn't that kind of adding insult to injury? We're already at such a high place, and we we are for such long exposure time. We want to keep things as minimal as possible. Now, there's a time and a place to push, and I mean, there's guys that, yeah, uh, you might have to go up to two grams weekly at a certain point of your phase, depending on how your response you know, two of the protocols are, 
you might have to go up to two grams and that's where you, you know you're progressing at without biofeedback being that far off but the reality is your biofeedback can be good we know that running two grams isn't that great for long-term health we know this for a fact that it's not great for long-term health right I do believe that we can bodybuild for a long time in a healthier manner. So what's the minimum exposure that we can undergo while we see results? I'm going to tell you what I think for men and women. I'm going to start with men first. I think that men can get away with far more than they think they can on 200 milligrams a week of testosterone. If your training is up to par, most are not. If your diet is on point, most are not. If your stress mitigation is on point, and if your body is healthy, I'm not just talking blood work. Yeah, blood work needs to be good. That's kind of a prerequisite for your body being healthy. How do you feel? If your blood work is great, but you have consistent migraines and night terrors during your sleep, you're probably not in a great place, right? We probably need to get you know, that kind of configured out and what's going on there. So your blood work tells a part of the story, but there's a lot of other biofeedback forms that tell another part. When your feet hit the floor in the morning, when you're sweating, um, can you not hold a pump for more than a couple minutes? Like in between or during your rest periods, are you losing your pump? Like if so, you know, we need to check, you need to check your insulin. We need to check your body fat percentage. Uh, we need to check to see your digestion, how things are going on. Do you have hunger when it's time to eat? Um, you know, how do you feel mentally? Are you mentally well? All right. If your blood works good and uh, you love training and you're progressing consistently, but you're mentally fucked, then, you know, still we have work to do in that health component, right? So we, we want to make sure that everything's clicking in the right level. So 200 milligrams a week for a guy, he can make progression on that for a while. The reality is at some point the progression is going to stall off a bit. All right. Let's bump it up. We can bump up to 300 milligrams a week. And yeah, that's you know only 100 milligrams at a time. But you were only taking 200. We added 100. We just bumped your dosage a significant amount in terms of a percentage, right? So we go through the 300 milligrams and same exact thing we do. We can bump it to 400 milligrams. You were only taking three. That's still, you just bumped it 33% up to 400 milligrams. That's a huge bump. I believe in titrating your PEDs. I, I think that that's a great approach to take. I think working it up and then we take 400, we go to 500. We take 500, go to 600. I think this is a pretty common rule of thumb. No, this is not what I do for all my guys because there's so much that you see coming in that very, very, very rarely am I just like, all right, you know what? Let's uh, add this over the week because um, I'm more so a frequency guy. I change the frequency of what we're doing with a similar dose. Um, so how that'll look is like, all right, if I have you set up on uh, 250 inanthate every three days, maybe I'll take it to every two days, right? And over the course of a week, it's a sizable bump because it's one extra injection, right? Maybe we're on every two days, I'll take it to every other day. Maybe we're on every other day, I'll take it to every day. So it's the same dosage that we're putting in every time, but the frequency is higher. And, you know, some people would be like, well, the half-life of that, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense with the half-life of that because the half-life is three days. Sure, sure, that's fine. That's also not really understanding the entire full spectrum of what we want out of the pharmacokinetics of our dosaging with anabolic steroids, right? 
it isn't about the half-life. It's about where's your saturation point. And it's about are we controlling peaks and valleys. And it's about controlling sides. I find, and my guys and my girls, the more consistent dosaging we are doing, the better the sides are controlled. And the more consistent uh, dosing we are doing, the better the results have been as well. And the more consistent the results have been as well. Let's say you're running uh, 250 NNF8 every other day. You get bloods done and your test comes back um, 16, we'll say 1600, right? And your free test comes back maybe 70. All right, cool. We have something in your blood work that we wanted to see. We get labs done. Nothing in your dosage has changed. And the next time you go get labs drawn, your total test comes back. 1400 and your free test comes back uh, 52. This can happen, and, but you're on the same dosage. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? You're on the same dosage. Like it, sh- it should be similar. Well, two things occur. Number one, yeah, the homeostatic set point occurs. But the other item that occurs is, well, we, you know, within that half life, we should have a higher saturation point. Isn't that correct? But as soon as the drug is administered, it starts. Uh, being broken down by the body. It starts cleaving the hormones, starts um, uh, pushing the hormone into usage through your bloodstream, and it starts like expelling, right? So everything was the same, but we have this variance right here of the total test is down X amount, 200, and the free test is down you know, 20 points. That's a huge difference. A huge difference how you feel. It's a huge difference how you recover. It's a huge difference how you perform. So, if this is something that's happening, if we take the dosing more frequently, even though the half-life of this drug is three days, three and a half days, and we make the dosing more frequently, you're going to see more consistent values over time. More consistency within what's going on inside of your body equates to a better short-term and long-term result, okay? So when I'm titrating things up, what I'm commonly doing because I'm getting all this information back from my guys in real time is I'm adding to the dosing frequency. If you're someone who maybe doesn't have you know the, the appropriate guidance for this, I would more so recommend airing on the side of a, a percentage bump like I was referencing before discussing the dosing frequency. I would take the route of a percentage bump just because it's a little bit safer of a game to play. And I think it's better to be safe than sorry if you don't have the oversight needed. And that's okay. It's okay to not have the you know perfect oversight needed there. So there comes a point within this of, all right, you know, we're at 250 every day. Um, we can't really overload much from there. That comes out to, what, 16, um, let's see, 250 a day uh, times 7. That's about 1750. So 1750, we're pretty close to, you know, high end of the cycle. I mean, right, there's only so much further you can go there. When I'm titrating down, I do the opposite of what I just did. All right, let's take this everyday dosing to every other day. All right, let's take this every other day dosing to every two days. All right, let's take this every two day dosing to every three days. Um, And then we just titrate back that manner. If someone's been running high, 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 and we've been running higher in a longer duration than I would really like to see morally, but they were still making progression, they felt good, their response was good, I'm commonly going to pull it way back. 
Like, all right, we went from 250 every day to um, 250, like, every three days, right? Or just uh, 125 every three days or something of the like, right? Um, you kind of see what I'm saying? It's, it, it, the sliding scale depends on the exposure time and the exposure intensity as well. You know, with girls, this can be something like, um, you know, with an Anivar, we start at, you know, five milligrams, maybe twice a day or something like that. We split it up based on the half-life of eight hours. And, um, you know, there's a few different schools of thought here. There's some people who they don't like that being active. They want it more in an in-and-out approach. And that's not a wrong approach at all. It's a fantastic approach. So, like, they won't dose based off the half-life there. They'll dose based on um, just getting in and out for the workout, essentially. I still enjoy utilizing the saturation point and pushing that threshold as much as we can without seeing negative effects from it. Just because the more we can push that threshold, I believe the more we can throttle response from that. So in my girls, it's like, all right, you know, we're doing five milligrams AM, five milligrams eight hours after. So there's about 16 hours of the day that's covered with exposure. So my next step after that, if everything's good there, is I just had that third dosage. Now the whole day we were covered by exposure. We're at five milligrams AM, five milligrams eight hours after. Five milligrams eight after uh, eight hours after. So essentially five milligrams every eight hours, right? If I want to bump from here, you change one of those dosages, likely the dosage that covers the workout window, and you'll just bump it up to like seven and a half or a 10. You know, now this is how, you know, this is kind of how we play with it. I think with Anavar, I don't think we really... How we, we, I don't see reason to really go much over like 30 milligrams in a 24-hour period. I think that's a very aggressive dosage. Um, I think that's a very aggressive dosage. I think for most people, that 15 to 20 range max is going to be pretty good. Um, for guys, common rule of thumb is about three or four times that, and I feel the same way about that with guys. I think that's going to be a good um, coverage for you know what you need out of the drug. Um but, you know, when we bring in something like, um, well, uh, I mean, Prima Bolin is, you know, obviously rather uh, popular drug. The, um, you know, oral Prima Bolin is like a four to six hour half-life or the injectable Prima Bolin is about 10 days, right? So with this, that titration is going to look a little bit different because 10 days is a long time. Like we were talking about with inenthate with my guys, it's like three days. 10 days is a long exposure period. So, you know, we can, you know, realistically, we can get away with, you know, one dosage every, really one dosage a week. And things are probably going to stay rather consistent. I don't like doing the bullets. I still like breaking it down as minuscule as I can. And all right, so if we want 30 milligrams of Prima Bullen throughout a week, then we're going to do three 10 milligram dosages, right? Does that make sense? I hope that's this. It's I, I still break it down because of number one, the saturation value, number two, the peaks and valleys, number three, the consistency, or then the first two yield into number three. We want consistency within exposure, okay? So the same thing happens here. You have a girl who wants to be really aggressive. She wants to utilize, you know, these drugs and really make a huge jump, um, you know, this year with, with what she's able to accomplish on the stage, right? Uh, so she's, you know, just cranking out her work. She's doing everything right. The feedback's good. The side effects aren't anything that's like pushing her away from it. 
we still can't have her body's homeostasis be relying on 30 milligrams of Primo a week. We have to run it. We have to get it in. We have to get as much result as we can. We got to pull it out. We can use growth analogs like insulin, like growth hormone, uh, metformin, like things that like we can use those much longer. Um, I, I, I don't believe in utilizing SARMs whatsoever. I believe in having exposure period and then non-exposure period and then push exposure period, non-exposure period and allow that body to really realize, hey, you know, this thing is something I rely that. I want you to rely on, but this thing is going to be a variable and it's a huge variable. You know, when this variable is in play, there's a lot of response that I'm going to ask out of you, but I don't want you to get caught up on being stuck with relying on this primo, right? The body remembers everything you've ever done. You can't trick it. You can't fool it. You can't anything it. We always want to constantly save tools. The only time you empty the toolbox is if you're in prep for the, an Olympia. If you're not in that kind of prep, we, we have to save these tools. We have to pull these tools back, compile the toolbox as much as we can, use some things here and there. But the biggest tool that we have is the manipulation of the stress and the homeostasis of the human body. That's what all of this is. You should be able to take drugs out of the equation. And for, for women, you should be able to take drugs out of the equation. For men, you should be able to be on a, a normal TRT dose, not what bodybuilders call TRT, which is like, oh, you know, I'm on 250 a week. That's not TRT. But if you, if you can't progress on 100 milligrams a week, then you don't have business doing anything more than that. For women, if you can't progress naturally, we don't have business doing anything more than that. Because the body's homeostatic set point has got to be from an endocrine output component. It has to be the minimum threshold point that we can still progress. So if you're someone you're like, shit, man, every time I come off drugs, I take steps backwards. You need to spend more time off drugs, significantly more time off drugs. It's like, if you're taking Adderall every day and all of a sudden you literally can't fucking function without Adderall, yeah, you'll probably go to a doctor and they're going to bump your dose, right? But the reality of what you actually should fucking do is you should learn how to function without Adderall or caffeine or, you know, cocaine for, you know, those who rely on cocaine, I guess. But we constantly push these things because we live in this world of constant stimulation. I have to be stimulated. I have to, I, my mind has to be taken up by something. I have to have this false sense of belief that something is helping me. Um, like a drug is helping me. If you can't progress naturally for a woman, you can't progress on hundred milligrams a week for a guy. We have no business going higher. We should get performance uh, progression. We should get physique progression within that. But drugs are not this, um, they're not this 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 progressive overloading uh, situation in the same way that training other things and the like are. And in a contest prep, this holds true as well. You know, I think there's and men and women alike. There's been this long-standing belief that as prep goes on, dosages get higher. See, I I, I abide by the opposite. As time goes on, the dosages, I'm not saying everyone's dosages drop during prep, but things get more moderate as time goes on. There's like a peak that we hit in the middle of prep. And this is the highest things go from there. And from here, we're going to pull things out because these things are all stressors to the body. The main reason you take testosterone 
This will help your endocrine system. In a contest prep, this means your endocrine system won't crash. The only reason you take Trin during a contest prep is for, you know, its relationship with the glucocorticoid receptors so that it prevents cortisol from going high. I mean, we're at, like, why are we out here dosing three or 400 milligrams a week for that? You do not need it. You're, you don't need close to that. Because at that point, it's stressing other systems. If we're going to pull the glucocorticoid receptors down, we're going to shut those off because trend, trend has such a high affinity to bind to those things. So we're going to pull those down. But since we're taking so much, it's now stressing uh, your prostate. Well, fuck, what's your body care more about protecting? The glucocorticoid receptors or the prostate? So now we have another stress that's added into it, right? So, um, or, you know, we, at the end of prep, you know, because DHTs make you dry or, you know, whatever the belief is, you know, we're crushing Winstrol and, and, and Masteron and we're crushing the Halo tests in it. You know, we're crushing all these things that, you know, are all rather similar properties that are just, you know, not helping whatsoever, Combine, compiling all this DHT. You guys, there's this, there's negative drawbacks to all these things. If you're doing something that's too much, your body's too stressed, guess what's going to happen? And then we just get to the end, and man, yeah, there's a lot of water on you. Well, I wonder fucking why your body's so stressed. Oh, man, I don't know. Here, take some dyes. I just figured out. And then you come out of the prep, and you can't control anything. You can't control your, your hunger. You can't control the, the edema that you're experiencing. You can't control your mental state. You can't fucking control... Anything going on your emotional state because you ran yourself so hard into the ground with excess stressors. Drugs are not a progressive overload. Fat burners are not a progressive overload. These things need to be tapered with and manipulated based off of what the body's telling us in real time, the biofeedback, what the pictures are telling us in real time. You got to trust your eyes. If you add something in, more doesn't mean better. If you add something in and the look gets worse, then it's a pretty strong uh, idea that we should probably pull that out. Right? So I believe we can, there's a very fine threshold of causing more harm than we are good. Okay? There's a time to push. There's a time to pull back. I've talked about that a ton on here. But within drugs, you need to have like this cutoff limit. And, you know, depending on where you're at, like if you're not someone who's really advanced, your cutoff limit needs to be really low until you are. Like if if you're not someone who's a pretty good bodybuilder, why are you doing anything over a gram? Why are you why are you doing anything that's even approaching the one gram mark? Like you're you're not ready for that. Your body's not ready for that. Your body needs to have more tools right now from the work you're putting in with what you're consuming with your training with your stress mitigation because the reality is all those things no matter how many steroids you take all those things are far more important than the amount of gear that you're pumping in so handle your drugs with with caution handle them with care they're not a progressive overload i hope this helps our thought processing a little bit remember it's how what's the maximum amount we can get out of the the minimum exposure that's what we want to always shoot for